Welcome to another episode of the Best Self Podcast. On today's episode, I sat down with Kelly and Jill, both employees here at Best Self. I'm not going to lie and say this conversation was easy because it wasn't. It wasn't easy for Kelly, who was speaking about this for the first time on a public forum. And as two friends and coworkers, it definitely wasn't easy for Jill and I. Six years ago, Kelly gave birth to twin girls prematurely at 24 weeks. For nine grueling months, both babies and parents fought hard in the NICU to not only stay alive, but to grow into two strong, healthy little girls. Five weeks after the twins returned home, one of the girls took a turn for the worst and unfortunately passed away. Kelly takes us through her journey of losing a child, the grief, how her and her husband remained a team, the family support that she received from her family and friends, and the tools that worked and didn't work for her and her husband. Kelly talks about how the pain will never go away, but you ultimately have a decision on how you will live the rest of your life in response to that pain. I want to thank Kelly for being so brave in her decision to share her story. I know her hope for this conversation is to help others who have or may have to go through this. Thank you for listening. And here's another episode of the Best Self Podcast. And I was going through these phases where I was super happy, super okay, super great, and then I crashed. It doesn't feel good to be homeless. It doesn't feel good to be poor. It's not like a fun thing, you know, you want to do. There's there's a new layer of responsibility for parents these days with the internet and technology and social media. It was a hard, hard road. I mean, I would lay at home at night and just worry every single night, like praying I didn't get a phone call, but also praying I did hear from him. Like, I don't understand the need to to put like a, a, a moral judgment on that, right? So you, you're pregnant with twin yes. girls. Fraternal. Well, I didn't know at the time that they were girls, but yes, for fraternal twins. And I went into labor um, prematurely for no real reason um, on June 11th. And I had girls at 24 and a half weeks, um, weighing one pound, seven ounces and one pound, 11 ounces. Um, they could literally fit in your hand um, when we were allowed to hold them. Um, they literally, you could hold them like in your hand. Um, and my one daughter spent six months in the NICU and the other one spent almost eight in the NICU um, battling different kinds of issues and medical stuff that comes along with uh, being poor, born so premature. So NICU stands for? Neonatal Intensive Care Unit, and that is where all of the babies that are born too early or babies that are born with severe medical issues um, go to stay. Um, They are a a specialty floor in the hospital um, that maybe people know about, maybe they don't, Mm -hmm. and I pray that nobody ever has to know about that place. Mm -hmm. I certainly didn't know about it until June 11th, 2012. and they strictly only take care of babies that are born. They don't take care of anybody else. You mm-hmm. don't leave the hospital and go back to the NICU. That's not a thing. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I think is interesting about the NICU is, um, or just in New York State law, is, is that if the girls were born like one week earlier, they they don't try to no. save them. No, literally, if they would have been born, born four days earlier, 
they would not have tried to save them. Right. Correct. At 24. Actually, oh, I didn't know that. Yes. The cutoff is, n- but now um, we actually did know a baby that was born at 23 weeks that mm-hmm. was stayed and they tried it to save him and he did survive. Right. Um, but normally but they're not the like required. Is no, they're not required. Try to have any mm-hmm. life saving no, efforts. After so. before 24 weeks at, right. that, at that point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, that's they, really. So what are your daughter's names? Um, Kylie and Mackenzie. Um, Mackenzie was born first. She's the one that passed away. Uh, and Carly was born second. She's the one that survived today. Yep. So why don't you take us to that? Well, lead us up to before they went home. Sure. So we spent several months in the NICU, both here at uh, Children's, at the Old Children's Hospital and um, at Strong Memorial in Rochester. Um, they had several issues medically, um, but mostly related to premature stuff that is is very common for preemies. Um, you literally live and breathe the NICU when they are there. Um, you get up in the morning and you go there all day and you stay there all night and then you go there all day the next day and you just keep doing that till they come home. Um, you literally live and breathe the NICU. Um, and that's why to this day some of the nurses that we met there are still important in our lives because they become family. Um, and actually we've met friends at the NICU that had said the same circumstances that we still talk to to this day too, because you're all in that same boat mm-hmm. of, oh my gosh, what is going to happen from day to day? So um, actually a girl that I know her, she had twin boys that were born a couple weeks after my girls. We would like text each other if like we weren't there and say, Hey, I think everything is okay. Cause they were mm-hmm. in the same room. So we could kind of like keep each hey, other updated. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, cause like I knew she would be there. Or she knew I was going to be there and I would say things look good over on the other side of the room, you know, or whatever. So like you just kind of at the old um, hospital, the old children's hospital, you kind of develop that that friendship and that connection with um, the nurses and the other parents. Um, the nurses would text me and call us and send us pictures when we weren't there. And it was just terrific because um, each of my girls had to go to, to Strong for heart surgery. So one of my husband and myself would have to be at the one hospital and the other would have to be the other one. They didn't go at the same time. So they would send us pictures and say, don't worry, we're okay. You know, like we'll see you in a couple of days when you come back, you know, or whatever. So that was really, um, really nice to know that they were in such good hands at the NICU at Children's um, with the nurses because we really um, relied a lot on that because you just, it's literally a whirlwind like of just okay now today we got through this now what's tomorrow and what's the next day and sometimes we would call it a.m and p.m like we had a really good a.m and we didn't have a good p.m and we had a good p.m and we didn't have a good a.m um so we would just kind of um doing lots of prayers and yeah i know my sister just i was telling you before at lunch that uh, my sister just had a NICU baby and I mean, all the nurses, when they went home, mm-hmm. Facebook friended her mm-hmm. and, oh yep. my God, we miss you because mm-hmm. that you really are, they are there mothers together and their yeah. fathers and they're, yeah. we literally are solely relying on them to keep our children alive because yes. we don't know what's going to happen. They clearly can't speak for themselves. So we don't know what's going on. They can't. Um, so yeah, they are really really important like so just so after months and months of just mm-hmm. work on the girls and mm-hmm. surgery and mm-hmm. this you mm-hmm. go home so one of them comes home and the other one stayed behind uh, for a couple more months which was really hard um because then that's even more difficult when you have one at home and one still in the hospital because you have to like balance being at home with one and being at so like my husband and i literally pretty much never saw each other like he would you know i would stay home with my one daughter 
he would go see her during the day. He would go to work. He would come home. Then I would switch and I would go to the hospital all night. It was just, it's constant that we did that from November to February. Um, it was really crazy. Um, we never, you know, it's just, but that's what you have to do. You live the naked life and you just have to and do you're it. And you're both working people, we were which both working we need people. to get into yes. about working mothers because that's a whole nother stress yes. on itself. Like you have to pay the bills. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I actually took off the, uh, probably eight or so weeks after they were born and I went back to work. They were still in the hospital, um, full time. And I would go every morning. Um, I would get there at like five thirty or so, and I would stay there till about eight and then I would go to work. I would go home, let my dog out change and then go to the NICU all night long and then do the whole thing over again. Like, because I wanted to save up my time for when they came home and all that stuff. And it's best self novel lecture at the time was really terrific with like allowing me to do that and like having that flexibility. And like, cause there was days where I'd get to the hospital and somebody wasn't doing well. And I'm like, I, I can't come in today because I don't know if she's going to make it. Like right. it was really bad. Um, so, and I can't say enough about how lucky we were with both of our employers. And so, but that's what we did because you just had to. So you have to do what you got to do. And then when our daughter came home, then I stayed at home for a while with her. And then we kind of alternated. I'm um, seeing them every day. So you bring them now. One's home. Yep. How far after so did we, the other one get to come home? So we brought one home on November 3rd. We brought the other one home on February 28th. So it was like a good like couple months before. So we were doing that like that was difficult um, to have. And then, so then my other, my daughter Mackenzie came home, the one who passed away. um, And she had a little bit more of a medical complications, um, which is why she stayed in longer. And she came home with a trach and um, some other equipment. And she had nursing for us to that to set up for how to help us. Mm -hmm. So that was, so you had people coming in and out or what was, no, they were with us. They were there. They They were there. Yeah. So that's another issue. Um, but we, we had to line up nurses to do overnights because you couldn't, we couldn't leave her alone overnight unattended. And obviously you need to sleep. And I had another baby at home, so I couldn't give her my whole divided attention. So I would have, we'd have overnight nursing and then nursing during the day when my husband worked. And then we would have like four or five hours at night with no nurse. And then the weekends we didn't have a nurse. And then, but they were with us like, you know, because we had, they, she couldn't be left unattended. So right. you have to have somebody there to do that for you. And how long um, were you home with Mackenzie? Five weeks to the day, literally five weeks to the day when she passed away unexpectedly. So she passes away and you still have your other daughter. Yeah. So she, she passes away. Um, and we still have our other daughter and, um, we just had to learn how to live with not only like slowing down after the NICU was crazy. Cause that was kind of a change too. just being all home at once was like, okay, this is different. And then now we go from two babies to one, um, which was really hard because it, well, for a lot, a lot of reasons, but you just, you're, you're expecting to have two babies. You're, you're thinking that they're going to be okay. And, then you don't have two babies anymore. Um, I think too, just to kind of chime in is the fact that you have these expectations as a mom, like of what is happening. Right. Mm -hmm. So like immediately when you have them Mm preterm and you have them so early, you know, for a first couple, like that's not the plan. plan. So then you adjust to the plan that, okay, Mm -hmm. they're going to be in the NICU. They're going to be in the hospital. 
but then they come home. So yep. to, that's a like oh. a relief. You're like, they're home. Yeah. They're big and chunky right. and healthy right. and chubby and like, right. and the they whole have personality that you've just been developing throughout this time. Right. Like, right. Things are looking yes. great. Right. They're pulling yes. through. Yes. Right. They're doing well. Actually, when um, our first daughter, Kylie, came home, I'll never forget it. We panicked because we originally had our shower planned and then we changed it because it was supposed to be two weeks after they were born and we didn't know they were going to survive if they weren't. So we put it off. So we had a, we have a shower a couple months later. It looks good. And I, I had my shower and I dumped everything into their bedroom because I, I'm living at the hospital or at work. Like I didn't have time. And they said, oh, Carly's going to be ready to go home in like three days. And we're like, what? We're not ready for her to come home. Like, like we, we were not as crazy as that sounded. We, we like, I'm like, I don't have anything open. Like I don't have anything. The room isn't yeah. set up. Like, yeah. because we didn't realize that we they were, had been there for so yeah, long. They had been yeah. there for so long. And we were just like, we thought we'd have more like notice and like, mm-hmm. we're like, no, she's ready to go. Like, and we're like, we're not. Okay. <laughs> so then she came home. And so that was kind of, and they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I'm here all the time or I'm at work. Like, I, I don't have, like, I'm exhausted. Like, I haven't like put a room together. Cause like, you're so afraid of like doing that step mm-hmm. too. And like putting it together because you're like, what if I do this? And like, they don't come home. Right. Um, so that, so anyway, so she came home and we like threw the room together. And then a couple months later, we, Mackenzie, we knew she was coming home and we had to have this big plan because we had to have nurses and stuff in, in place for her. So that wasn't as like much of a shock, but it, you, you just had this hope of like, okay, we're home and we never like want to go back there. And like, right. we are like onward and upward, you know, well, there's like, there's some comfort, I think, in thinking right. like they're both home now. They have they're overcome, together, they're together, like, yeah, they're, they're strong. Yes. We're, um, we're, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. Like Carly had been home for a couple months. She was doing really well. Like and things were, you know, so it was just, um, it was just, yeah, that was, that's the plan. And that was not what happened at all for us. And how old were they both when Mackenzie passed? Nine and a half months. So they were nine and a half yeah. months. And, um, so she, passed away suddenly and unexpectedly and it was it was quite a quite a day quite a set of circumstances but um it really you kind of put yourself in this like fog I would say and you just kind of like go from one thing to the next like okay well now you're buried with logistics now you're buried funeral yes. and, and other things Right. Yeah. And you're not planning on that when your babies are nine and a half months old and they just came up from the hospital and they're supposed to be okay. Um, so you, you kind of, the hospital was, was terrific. Half of the NICU staff came down to support us because we had just left five weeks ago. So we were in everybody's hearts and it was just, it was so overwhelming to see like doctors coming down and nurses and people sobbing for us because they were like, you know, they just, they were real, they were like our family. For yeah, because they just took care of these yes. babies. And, and it was like as was, much they, as invested. They, yeah. they were just as invested as, as them and us as, as we were. And, you know, they came to the wakes and the funerals and it was just, it was really touching. But, um, so, you know, the hospital is really great. They called our families and cause we I, certainly, I couldn't pick up a phone to call anybody. Or, so the, like, hospital the hospital called, called your family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They called our families for us. And so they said, you, who do you want us to call for you? They didn't even give us like the option of like, they said, who do you want me to call for you? Mm-hmm. So it was really like, wow. cause nobody expected like this. It was, it was an unexpected thing. So, um, you know, so our families come and like they, my family's called my family and everybody calls from there. But, um, so they come and it was, it was awful. Um, and we got home several hours later and there was cars down the drive, down the street waiting oh. for us of people. Cause our other daughter was at home with a girlfriend of mine who was, was watching her while, while we were at the hospital. 
And um, it was just like, we pulled in our driveway and we're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Like, we're going to walk in and like see all these people and just, everybody's a mess. Like, everybody is a mess because nobody thought that this was going to happen. And um, there we were with a house full of people sobbing and crying. And our nurses came over and it was just as beautiful as a sad situation could be, I guess. Like it was just yeah. awful. Um, and then, then the next day you have to start your plans and you're not ready for that. And you're like, how do you pick out an outfit for your baby to be buried? in? It was awful. So we went to the mall and I bought every dress I found literally <laughs> because like, I don't, I just bought every, like it was uh, ridiculous. And I'm just like, I think I like this one, but I don't know. Like I actually bought two cause I wanted them to be matching. And I don't know why that was a thing for me at that point, but it was so they were different sizes. Um, Mackenzie was much bigger than Carly. She always was. Um, so I had to get different sizes. So if I found a dress, I liked a two different sizes that fit them. I bought it and I, I bought like six of them. Like I don't, I just did. I don't know. So anyways, you know, we're, we're going through the plans and we're going through, you know, everything. And we had to come up, you know, we had to pick our outfits. So what we did is we kind of narrowed it down to two outfits. And this is, I don't know, something that we did. And I'm like, I just can't pick. And my husband's like, why don't we let Carly pick? So we put them both on a dresser and we said, which one do you like? And she threw one right on the floor. And we said, the one that's on the dresser is the one that they're wearing. Like, yeah. that was it. Like, yep, I don't know. Like, know. Yeah. Like, I'm like, you're nine months old and you picked her out. Like, whatever. That was just, we just couldn't make the decision. Yeah. And she did it for us. Like, it was just something that we had. Well, you don't want to make that decision. No, you don't want to make that decision ever. Um so that was, yeah, that was something that was kind of like, now I can look back at it and be like, that was kind of cute and funny at the same time. Do you think it was comforting to come home? So you think about the the night one, because mm-hmm. you put yourself in, I, I put myself in your shoes and I think yeah. about, okay, having to walk away from the hospital is almost like this final movement that you have to do yep. and you have to go home and what are you doing? You're sitting on the couch. Do you put the TV on? Do you sit on the edge of your, what do you do? Do you think the fact that you walked home with all of these people waiting helped? I, we had no idea that anybody would be at our house other than my friend that I had left with my daughter. Like we had no idea that like all of our friends and family, like people just started showing up. And, Did that like, help you for that I, first day? Or I, do you think like you needed to be by yourself? No, I, I think that it, it helped. Um, it, you know, we just sat down and we, um, had a couple of drinks and I actually, like, it was just, um, it was, it was comforting to cry with other people yeah. that were just as sad as we were. It yeah. was awful. Um, you know, my cousin came with all these sub trays and like our friends sent a pizza. I mean, we had more food than anybody could like ever eat in like a lifetime, yeah. but like people didn't know like what to do. So they just started bringing food and showing up. So, um, which I would, for me, I think that would be like such a saving. It was, it was, it was to distract you from just silence or your yeah, own thoughts. It, it was super helpful because we, our nurse was there and we didn't have to, she took care of Carly for us that night. Like she like took care of her and she's like, don't you just do you. I'm taking care of her. And like, she rocked her and she like, cause she was still a bit, you know, and it was just nice to know that like, I could like do me while right. like she was being taken care of. And like everybody else was there to help too. But she's like, I, I think for her, she needed to like take care yeah. of her yeah. because she was Mackenzie's nurse too. And like, I think that she needed to like do that for herself a yeah. little bit. And I was like, you so grateful. So, yeah. So grateful. Um, so then you go through all the, the, steps and the preparations and the flowers and the the whole thing you have to pick up. Yeah, it's just, it's a really long process and you yeah. just go from like one thing to the next. And it's like, how do you pick out like the site? And like, how do you like, what, like nothing that you're, you're not of. even prepared no. 
for any of this. It's not like no. they, they, so just in case, here's a handbook of right. how to get through this. Right. Well, I it's think not- that that's what makes it loss of a child different than any other type of loss that there might be. And not that we're prioritizing or we're, you know, categorizing or saying this is, you know, a different, like it's, it's tragic if you lose anybody at any point in time, but when it's so sudden and when you are, when it is an infant or a child and you're not prepared, it does feel different um, versus, you know, other right. losses that we have that we have some quote unquote heads up like or parents or right like, right yeah. or even kids that are sick and battling can't like right that that's you can sort of I guess and again I'm not going to speak for anybody else's loss because I I would never do that but maybe you could prepare yourself a little bit like mm-hmm. when you don't have any preparation and, and it's like an as something like with us or a tragic accident or something right. that you're not prepared for you get like you, you well I'm and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure, or did you go through any preparation when they weren't doing well in those early no. stages? Not preparation, yeah, like, no, but like, more okay. like, we're okay, did you think at all that this might happen and what am I going to do if this happens? We, um, a, a little bit, but um, I think you're just so caught up and so busy. So on postpartum, I just had a C-section, like I, you know, you just, yeah, you have to recover you're, you're, from you're that. Recovering, yeah. Like you're so caught up in all this stuff and you're literally just, okay, AM to PM, like, how am I getting through this? Like, you know, so you, you kind of just don't even want to think about that. Yeah, you, you put it in cruise um, control and just. Yeah. The, the one time Carly got really sick and, um, we thought she was going to pass. Like, we didn't think she was going to make it through the night. We had to spend the night. And, um, because we weren't, they told us you need to stay here because she might not make it to tomorrow. And that's terrifying to hear as a parent. Um, and she made it and she's doing so well to this day. God, thank God. Um, but we never really like, I just didn't put myself in that place to think think about that. I think you can't, right? So like if you put yourself in that position, you won't, you'll be disabled with those emotions. So you have to almost hold that hope, hold that power, hold that positive thinking to offer that to babies that can't do that or people around you that need that. So it's almost like this like ultra, which is why I always call like Kelly to me is like my superhero (laughs) mom because I'm like, how do you have so much like strength? Mm -hmm. How do you have so much like, how in the world does any woman mom have the capacity to do that like how yeah. do you talk yourself through that and i just i'll never understand it and mm-hmm. I, but it's something that i feel like you if you let yourself walk down that path you're you you might not be able to get out of that no. path so it's no. like i can't even touch those thoughts no. i can't even think that they're not going to be okay i can't no. think that they're you know that something might go wrong or that there might be an illness or a medical thing i right. mean you really just have to keep like forward you thinking just have to and go right. forward and it wasn't even like super it was just literally, how are we going to get through the next step? Right. Next, this, okay, so this came up today. How are we going to get through to, to right. like, you just. I mean, literally day at a time. Yes. Do literally. you remember the different emotions that you went through as far as grief? So I always talk about how grief is like the one thing I run from in life. Like mm-hmm. I am so terrified of grief um, because I, I just don't think I'm strong enough to go through it. Where when I look at someone like you, who's just successful and happy and a good person, but you've gone through the most terrible thing that you possibly could go through. Are there stages of emotions that you hit that are normal and you're like, okay, how do I get through this, this hump and then this hump? Right. So the only reason my husband, and I say this to this day that we even 
made it through it all, I think, is because of our surviving daughter. We had to keep it together for her. Um, we couldn't, uh, you have to be a parent still. You have one behind. You can't just live your whole life for the one that is now not here. Um, and so the the moment that it really struck me that she was gone um, was about a week and a half after she had passed. And I was doing her laundry. I was doing their laundry. It was mixed together. And I was folding stuff, sobbing, because I was like, she's never going to wear this again. She's never going to do this again. Like, she wore this a week and a half ago. And she was here, and now she's not here anymore. And it was the hardest. It was almost harder to fold her laundry for some reason. Mm -hmm. And again, everybody is different. And that it was to even like the day of the funeral, like it was just like, I think I was like alone and I was like able to like, just really let it out. Like it was, that was like the, the pivotal moment for me that she was gone. Um, and that's when the real like grief kicked in for me. Um, because I think like the, the day-to-day -day stuff was gone, that she was buried, like all that stuff, like was, you know, whatever. And we still had to like move on. Like, and, and that was, um, it was the hardest of laundry that I'll ever have to fold probably. Yeah, because you also were probably subconsciously having to be strong for all these people right. who are coming right. to give you prayers and right. support. And then right. when you're back in your quiet place right. and you have time to process, mm -hmm. it hits you, I can assume like a brick wall. Of like, oh my God, this is what we've been doing for the last two weeks. Right. Yeah. And it's like, she's not, she's not here anymore. That's it. And I imagine all, you know, parents who have lost a child, like going into that child's room, you know, having their bed set mm -hmm. up, their crib set up, mm -hmm. you know, for you, double strollers, for yep. you, double car seats, double like, you know, all of that is in place. And then you're left to figure out what to do with all those things. And even if I think if people lose, you know, a teenage child or, a, you know, a five-year-old or really at any point, I mean, you're left then to say, what do I do with all these things? Like what, these are just things, but these are like reminders. Like, I yeah. mean, they're yeah. not just, yeah. you know, a piece of clothing. It is like this their is, piece of clothing. Right. This is the last pajamas she ever wore the right. day she died. Like right. this is, so, um, we, uh, yes, we had them in separate rooms because she had her medical stuff and her equipment, but we kept her room pretty much the way it was for a year. And then on her year anniversary, we took her crib apart and, um, we donated it to, um, Harvest House, I think it was. Um, because we were like, if we ever had another child, we could never put her or him or no. in his crib. This was like everything else. They kind of like shared, like anybody could go in the stroller or like the, the car seat and mm -hmm. stuff or like whatever, mm -hmm. like high chairs were whatever, whoever just sat and whatever. But that was hers. That was hers. So like, if we ever had another child, we could like never put another child in that crib. We could never, no. like we, like it, it just couldn't. And I couldn't have given it to like somebody and then like walked in their house mm -hmm. and like seen it there either because like, and I don't out think, of sight, out of mind. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think anybody would have wanted it either because right. like they knew, you know, so we, but we I think that what you're talking about to me, you know, obviously being a counselor and having that, like, that's the trauma response, mm -hmm. right? So like, I can't see that. I can't be around that. Mm -hmm. That's your, you know, your response to 
losing Mackenzie and the trauma that happens after you lose somebody that it could be that little laundry that those pajamas those you know triggered constantly about all sorts of different things that could happen that still happen today um and I know that you you'll talk about some of that stuff too but again yeah just those things that you don't realize how traumatic these events are for people and how people have to then function in their everyday life knowing that they could be triggered by I mean I know you've told me before sometimes when you see girls the same age that are twins and you could yep. just be walking at Darien Lake and you'll be like, right. I see two girls. And then you're like, oh, you know, like being triggered for the most, you know, um, it, you know, just random things that happen throughout the day um, or hearing somebody's, I mean, maybe even a name, like somebody yep. else's name is Mackenzie. And then you hear it and you're like, you know, it just brings you back. So it's a really like trauma response in our, in our brains, our bodies, our systems um, that come up. And I think that that's important to highlight. Um when yeah. it comes to the grief and loss process. Yeah, it, you you don't, it comes out of nowhere. It hits you at any time. Um, it's crazy because sometimes, like, for a long time, like, after she passed, like, we, like, I was, I still have them, actually. I was folding a blanket the other day, and there was tape on it, and that's from the NICU. Like, they used to tape all her tubes and stuff to blankets. Oh. And so I've actually left the tape on, like, all these years. Yeah. And I still wash them and use them with my other daughter because, like, and every time I fold it and I, like, feel the tape around the edges, and I'm like, okay, like, you know, that's, yeah. like, her, like, with, I'm still here. Yeah, like, that's, like, hey, mom. <laughs> and it's, like, things that, like, and, and, again, everybody would have their own thing and their own, like, memory, but, like, mm-hmm. that was really um a tape. And then the, the year after she had passed, we did a thing at Christmas, um, a Christmas party, and we took donations for the NICU. Um, so it was kind of like, come have a party and donate for the NICU because we saw so many kids that were in need there. Oh, we saw so many kids that were in need there um, that didn't have anything that came from maybe families that didn't care or foster Couldn't kids care. or whatever or didn't have the money. So we took um, – we, we had a Christmas party, and we got a donation of clothing from, you know, a, a friend of mine, his mom, and it was the pair of pajamas the day that she died. <gasps> that she worn and nobody would ever have would have, have known, known that oh. nobody would have ever have known that except for us and they showed up in this bag of for donation and i'm just like oh my gosh what like a, like i had chills and i started sobbing all yeah. over again for, for <laughs> you know but it was just like okay you're still you're still here, here. like yeah. and you're happy that we're doing this yes. and like yeah, yeah, the yeah, other yeah. babies yes. and like whatever but i was just like what are the odds that like she would pick out, out of all the pajamas, all the things, the all the stores, she, yeah. all the pajamas. Yeah. Kelly, talk oh about gosh. the first like six months to a year um, for you and what you thought helped you get through. Because that's got to be the the toughest part. Like a yeah. week after two yeah. to six months has got to be. Yeah. So you can even talk about what didn't work, what worked, mm-hmm. maybe different. I always like to, too, when I hear you talk about the things that people said that were helpful and the things that people said that really were not helpful. Because, again, everybody's going to be listening to this. And I struggle, too. Like, Mm -hmm. my friend who's been trying to get pregnant for a year, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to send Jackie her pictures of Jackie. And I was like, but do I? Like, am I just giving her a reminder that she can't have a child? Like, there's no rule book. And you want to think that people have the best intentions, but sometimes it is very hard. Like, what do you say? It was um, the worst thing that people would say to us was, um, well, at least you have Carly, the backup twin. And in my mind, I would say, well, you have three children. Pick one that you don't want to have. Just because she's the twin doesn't mean that she was like my backup plan. Like, I just had twin. Like, I, you know, that wasn't that she wasn't here to be our backup. That's probably 
um, another th- 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 thing that really, hurtful. that was the most hurtful thing that people were like, well, at least you have her. Well, great. But you, like I said, you have two or three kids, you give me one of them. And then you're, you're yeah, there's just not a lot of thought door. behind that. No, statement. not at all. But I think the thought is, is again, people try their best to right. try to help you be hopeful or mm-hmm. like, well, live for that child right. or like, well, you still have this baby and she's so cute. Like what right. I think people just, again, yeah, she knows don't she know. has her. <laughs> right, right, right. right. But I need a reminder. People, I think that people think people that. Panic. They, yeah, people they like, panic. I don't know what to say. Yeah. I know this has happened to you in your life right. and your family. I want to acknowledge it. I don't know how to acknowledge it. I don't know what to right. say. So I'm just going to say like that. I'm just going right. to say it's so great that you have another baby. Which again doesn't right. make sense, but again, people are just trying. I think to or just say, "How's your other child?" Right, like almost right. if you want to bring up, like how were things going? And if right. you say she's doing really well, then that can be your way to go. Oh my god, that's so great to hear. Right, right? would yes. that be the yes? The- that would be better. Um, another thing that I that always bothered me and my husband a little bit too is that people always asked about me and how I was doing, and they totally never asked about him or how he was doing or his feelings or like, Oh, your husband's. "Mm." Yeah. And that really bothered me because he was grieving just as much as I was. Um, he actually told me that he had went back to work a couple of weeks after she had passed. And somebody said, well, how's how's Kelly doing? And he's like, she's doing okay. And and so am I like, Mm -hmm. you know, because like I'm in this too, you know? So that was really, um, so, so that's, that's something to not ever forget. I think either is that the, the, dads, husband, and the, the, dad, the yeah. dads and the moms are, are grieving both of them equally, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people forgot that they forgot about him, I think more than, um, they realized, um, you know, I, I think as far as what people said and, and how to help, we just have a really great group of friends and family that just supported us, you know, and just, they don't forget her. They, you know, we don't talk about her. I don't want her to be talked about every single day and every, you know, cause that's not, you know, but they'll bring her up or they'll, you know, or once in a while and we'll say, you know, so it, it that's helpful. Cause you don't need to talk about her every day, but please don't ever like forget, forget her. her. And, um, that is helpful. Um, actually to this day, every year on her anniversary, our friends send us flowers. Um, and that's just every year they show up and I'm like touched and just makes it mean so much because like, she's not yeah. forgotten. No. Um, and we can't expect everybody to constantly be thinking about her and whatever, like we do, obviously, because she wasn't their child and whatever. But um, it, it's it's just helpful for once in a while for it to come up. And, you know, people really were terrific. They, like, sent us flowers. And they I, when we when I walked in the funeral home, I pretty much – it was like a botanical gardens of flowers there. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody knew what to do. So everybody yeah. sent us all these flowers and plants. And it was – I've never been to a wake in my life where there was more flowers than, like, yeah. ours. Um, and a lot of people had a hard time even going there because they had never seen a baby before. Yeah. Um, so people are like, I'm having a hard time. And I'm like, I am too. It's my <laughs> child. You know, like, you know, so um, – but again, everybody, you know, has – grieves differently. They, they do things differently. My husband and I did things, do things very differently, but, um, we, we really had to lean on each other a lot. Um, and I'm thankful that, that we're in this together, you know, and I don't know that everybody's as fortunate as, as I am or that, as that we are, um, because, you know, he would have a bad day and, and it would be my turn to step up and I would have a bad day. Even when they were in the NICU, that was mm-hmm. the same. St- you have to kind of develop some kind of a plan between you and your partner or your spouse or whatever. Can you give us an example of when someone's having a bad day with the other person dead? Now, was that more like emotional or physical? Like or? emotion. Like, so for example, when they were in the NICU, um, and it didn't happen often, but there was like days when I'd be working or something. I'm like, I'm just so tired. I just, 
I cannot go to the hospital today. I just, I'm, I'm like, I've sucked every, and he'd say, I got this. I'll go today. You stay home and go to bed early. Like, you know, and then there was days where he'd be like, and I mean, maybe if I did that four times in the nine months, it was a lot, but I like, we did it. We, he took his turn too. Sometimes he'd be like, I, I'm just exhausted. I'm beat. I can't do this another, like, can you just, and I'm like, I got this today. Like, you know, so that was like when we were in the NICU, but shout out Tom Sutton. <laughs> but at, um, but like after she had passed, it was just more emotional support. And like, we made every decision like together on everything. Um, we planned every, we picked every flower together. We picked, um, you know, everything we decided to donate her crib at the same, like, like I wasn't going to do anything if he didn't feel comfortable and he wasn't going to do anything if I didn't feel comfortable. So we said, you know, when it was coming up to her year anniversary, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? We can't leave her bedroom like this forever. Like we have to move on in our house. Like we have to, you know, give Carly, a, you know, move her down. Maybe, you know, it's just, it, we need to have, you know, so we, 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 I don't even know what we did Carly that day, but we did, we sat down and we put everything away together and we like put it, what we, a moment. Wanted, yeah. what we wanted to do. So like you have to kind of lean on that person. Um, and, and emotionally and you can just say, you know, I'm having a really bad day today. Like, I don't know why this Thursday I'm having a bad day, but like, why do you I think the divorce rate's so high after a couple loses a child? You know, I don't know, um, to be honest. And, and I guess I'm fortunate with that. Like, and a lot of, Divorce rate's really high and um with NICU kids too because it can be really stressful. Yeah. But I was just so tired and we were just so exhausted. We didn't have time to like <laughs> argue or get into anything. Like we just were so like just whatever. Um I, I'm not really sure if if it's if well, it's sometimes just I'm resentment. like, well, maybe the relationship wasn't even built on right. a relationship on or that, yeah, like they couldn't that relationship couldn't have survived that type of stress because it wasn't right. built on communication and trust and respect and which I'm sure is a piece to it. It absolutely is. And when you have something as monumental as losing a child, like it shakes your world to the core, obviously. I also think it connects you in a way that no other human can have, right? Right. So like you can either choose to say this event was so stressful and you could go through your own Mm -hmm. life and process separately, um, which I'm sure many people do. Like they can't connect again because the, the individuals in that marriage are too unable to manage their own stuff at any point. Mm -hmm. But something that you and your husband did was, okay, well, this is a, like almost united you guys. Like we are united front. Right. We have got this together um, and we're going to do this as a couple. So it's almost like there'd be no other way. Right. Cause no one else understands what you and him went through in that moment. So it's almost like this strong foundation that nobody else would ever understand or get. Because both of you lost something, not one. So it's not like you can look and just like, I just lost my child. Okay. Sorry. I'm a little crank. Right. He also lost his child. Right. And I was trying to really, I remember, um, um, it's just, it was really, we just really leaned on each other a lot. And, Again, he, I don't want to ever negate that he lost somebody too. And I really try to make that cognizant of he lost his daughter too, just Mm -hmm. like I did. Like he was at the hospital every day, just like I was like, he is grieving. And we, um, we just, you, you kind of need to work together because again, we still had another child at home and it was like, we can either do this or not. And it wasn't really an option not to. So I think that that's the point. I remember that movie with, I think it was Jennifer Aniston where, they got divorced after they lost their child. She developed extreme chronic pain, couldn't get out of bed, mm-hmm. quit her job. So what happens is you have one who's trying to move on right. and you have one who's 
now self-medicating, drinking, maybe not going to work. So you have just two separate pages, right. one who's well, stuck in that Well, everybody differently. Yes. So, I mean. Two totally different coping right. mechanisms. Right. Yes. Well, even like to this day when something, like if we have like, we've had some other issues in the last couple of years too, but something bad happens, nothing will ever, ever be, be worse, worse than that. Um. So, and that's something even like I remind myself all the time. I'm like, I made it through the worst week of my life and nothing will ever be worse than that. So if I can do that, I can do this. Like, Mm -hmm. so you constantly, I'm big on reality checking. If I can constantly remind myself of that, like this is nothing compared Mm -hmm. to what that was. Like it's nothing. After she passed, did you give yourself time to feel the way you wanted to feel, act the way you wanted to feel, cry in bed for as long as you wanted? Was there a point where you had to say, okay, today's the day where we have to move forward? Um, actually, kind of rewinding back to to when they were born, um, after they were born, I had had a C-section, so I couldn't drive. Um, and I was in bed and, and he was picking me up and taking me to the hospital and all these things. And I think I started to get a little bit postpartum-y. And I had to like talk myself out of that. And I'm like, he can't do this by himself. Like you have to get it together. You have to get yourself up. Like you have three people now that need you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my husband and my two kids, like you have to kind of get it together. So that was kind of my aha moment for back when they were born. Um, and then after she passed, I, I, I don't know that, that I don't think we ever came up like, okay, now, like, I think after we hit the year and it's, and every year around her anniversary, the anticipation of the day, I think is worse than the mm-hmm. actual day for me. Um, because I know that it's coming and then when it's there, it's like, we, I always, we always take off. Like we always do something. We usually go to church that day. Like we will go to the cemetery. Like we try to just keep it like, you know, low key or whatever. And, um, it, I don't know that there's like a time where you can be like, okay, like, you know, this is. Well, why don't you talk about when you had to go back to work for the first time? Like, yeah. What was helpful for now you have to walk in and all your employees are anticipating your return. Yeah. I didn't go back to work for a, a long time. Um, I actually, yeah. And so when I went back to work, I went part time, but it, it was really, um, it, they were my coworkers at the time and it was, everybody knew, you know, and I had actually had some lunch with them sometimes like, you know, it was so, but it was, it was really hard for me to go back and working in the program that I do talk with the clients were there. Mm-hmm. So then I had to talk to them about it and it was like, okay, you know, so now like, you know, we have to, to discuss this with them. Yep. And so, um, and it was tough and actually they did better than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. They were a lot more compassionate than I thought they were going to be. Um, and, and I don't talk about it now. We have a, pretty much a whole new group of clients, so none of them would maybe mm-hmm. probably even know that I had a daughter that passed. But um, that was really hard um, because you just you just kind of like you, the first time I went back into work, it was like okay, <laughs> we could do this. Like I can, yeah. you know. But again, it, it's that whole process again of now you have to explain to people. Right. Um, you know, you know, they know, they know, you know, you know, right. they know. But then how do you Everybody have a conversation gets, right. together to talk about right. whatever it is that you need to talk about? Right. And I think that that happens all the time. And then equally, it happens with new people you meet. So right. how do you explain to a new friend or a new coworker or a new, I don't Everybody. know, neighbor down yeah. the street that you do have three children mm-hmm. and one isn't here right. and you, well, have you refer to her as a or, twin. Right, right. 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 I have to, um, I, people will say like, well, how many kids do you have? That's the worst hard question. So what do I, you do? I never asked. I, I never will ask that person that question. I will never do it. Um, I say I have two kids at home and cause I do have two, two, two children at home. Like if it's just somebody randomly that I'm mm-hmm. not going to get into it with anybody. Um, at first, you know, it, it was like, well, I have one and I lost one. And, and if, if I'm never going to see that person again, I just leave. I have two kids. I have two girls at home. 
because I do, you know, and I have one in heaven, but like, I, I don't, but if it's somebody that I'm going to really know. Has anyone ever on. questioned when you say at home? No. Has anyone ever? No, nope. nobody's ever. That's, that's kind of been my trick. And actually, I don't know what my husband says when they ask him that actually. Cause that has to um, be hard because it's almost like you this feel guilty. Guilt. Yes. Yeah. You feel guilty. If it's somebody like a neighbor that I'm going to know for the rest of my life, like we'll say, you know, we, we have another daughter and she passed away and, you know, and she's in heaven and people are just like, oh, we're so sorry. And then usually that's kind of a buzzkill to a conversation, unfortunately, but because people, again, people panic and they don't know what to say. And that's fine. Cause I, you know, it's tough. It's not an easy it's conversation to have. And when we talk about like coping mechanisms, it's not something, I mean, you can Google and talk to yeah. therapists and counselors. Mm-hmm. Did you go to therapy? No, we did not. Um, we, we, uh, we did not. Um, I was going to go and then we didn't go. And then and I still may go. Um, I, so you didn't go at no, all? No, we did not. Um, we, we, I wasn't ready to, like, there was, there was, we got a lot of information in the hospital, says a lot of stuff and like support groups and stuff. And I, at that time, I wasn't ready to go because then I was one of them. And I was like, even though I knew I didn't have, I lost my child. Like I couldn't sit. That was your denial. I, I, that was totally my denial. Like I couldn't go to a support group and like, because Hi, my name is Kelly and, and I, I lost, lost a daughter. A, yeah. Cause then I would be one of them. It, as weird as that sounds like it, it just, and then I think as time passed and I love this, you don't get over it at all. You get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it, it doesn't get easier. It, it gets more tolerable, I would say. And you learn how to manage yourself better. Like, um, I can talk about it a lot easier now without like totally like getting upset. Um, it's like when you asked about like, you know, people say like how many kids do you have or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. It, it's a lot easier for me to talk about it and not totally be upset anymore. Um, but you just, well, well, how did it get, did time get you there? Yeah. Time and a lot of praying and a lot of support with my friends and my family. And I think with each other, and, um, we just, you kind of, after you have a monumental loss like that, you kind of have to still survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can survive the way that you used to do, or you can survive not well or, you know, whatever. So we just, I think the most important thing for us was to get like kind of back to as best of what we could do as reality, you know, in our normal life. Um, do you think you also didn't get therapy because you had so much support? I think so. Um, and I just, I wasn't, I, I wasn't ready for it. Like, and, yeah. and, and I actually think about it to this day, like maybe now I'm like ready to like mm-hmm. really like do like, but I was not ready for it then. Like yeah. it just, cause, and again, so much so, so I, I know myself and I'm a social worker, so I kind of have a little bit more of an insight into this maybe, but I, it, it would not have been effective. I don't think for me mm-hmm. at that time. And it, it could be for, well, other you know, people. yourself right. when right. you're ready to right. get through I, certain, right. Um, I, we, it just wasn't, ready for me and, and my husband would probably go, but, um, it, he would have never said, don't go, you don't mm-hmm. go. Like right. it would have never been that. It just, he wouldn't have like, it was, we, and again, I'm happy that we, we really leaned on each other a lot. Um, and some people don't have that unfortunately, which mm-hmm. is you know terrible. But. I guess the message in the process then, or the thought behind the podcast and being able to help other people who might listen to this is that the process is unique to mm-hmm. you and Absolutely. to give yourself permission almost to grieve however you so choose to grieve. Um, but some key points are getting support however that support might look like. Mm-hmm. It might look like community resources. It might look like traditional therapy. It might look like sitting with your husband on the couch at night. I mean, it could right. be completely unique to you. Mm-hmm. It could be that you, you know, um, 
manage how you do your day to day. It could be that you become more spiritual. It could be that you read more. It could be that you exercise. I mean, it could be a million different coping skills. Right. Um, it could be not going to work for a year. It could be going to work the next day. Right. Um, I think that that process is different for so many different people. And it's really about just knowing yourself. Um, I think what Stephanie said earlier, just about giving yourself again that permission to fall apart if you need to, or mm-hmm. to not fall apart because you that falling apart might disrupt the rest of your, right. you know, what you need to do. So right. some people kind of remain that future oriented. I'm going to do this. I have to take care of the day to day stuff. Mm-hmm. Very logical minded, you know, yep. and I'm not going to let myself get into that mode. Yep. I will someday, but today, today. today is not the day that no. I that I'm going to be thinking about what I, you know, what I have thought about before. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, just to kind of highlight the fact that everybody's process is different. It's about figuring out what your process is going to be. And asking for help. Mm -hmm. Did you ever feel maybe a year down the road or how long has it been? Six years. Okay. So did you ever feel, I, I, it's been two years. I can't burden them anymore with this. Did you ever have that feeling of like, I don't want to ask them. I've, they've done too much already for me for the past year. I, I imagine for especially independent women or, or people yeah. who are trying to be strong, did you ever feel like, okay, we got to stop talking about this. They don't want to hear this anymore. Or, um, I don't, I no, I don't, I don't know. Um, we, we try, it, we are, yeah. we try to, to lean on our, each other as much as possible. And then, but it, it, again, we have the best friends and family and they would just come over and just be like, and here's dinner. Like, right. you know, it was yeah. like, we did without yeah. we even asking. Ask. Yeah. yeah. And like, that was really nice and really helpful. Um, because you mentioned we, yeah, I don't want people to talk about it all the time. Cause it, it probably feels a little weird the right. first time you call you and not talk about it. Like, right. do I, Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, how are you doing? Right. And then just acting like almost it didn't happen. It, that's right. got to be a, a feeling that feels it, odd for the other person as well. Yeah, it's it's really it. You know, people I think felt weird, and and you know, I I don't I can't control how other people yeah, yeah. but um, I think we tried to make them feel as best as we could, like. Mm-hmm. I was at the, I was at the funeral home and I was like, it's okay. Like I'm telling mm-hmm. people it's okay, it's okay, you know? And like, yeah. you know, and like, it was just, it was really, you know, so you, you just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think that people felt weird and I think sometimes they still do. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. What worked for you? What people said to you, even a year or two later, like what always made you feel like that was well, nice. I, it was, it, 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 what helped me feel better was just. If like somebody would bring her up in conversation, mm-hmm. it really helped. But you know, like in a conversation, it would make sense that to bring her up, you right. know, um, or you know, they would say that really helped me, you know, mm-hmm. a lot. Um, or they would say, "You guys are doing such a great job," and like Jill just mm-hmm. said, "You don't, we don't know how you're getting through this," and mm-hmm. you know, like just to, like the like acknowledgement, acknowledgement. Yeah, that's that was really. Helpful. We know this happened. We know that your every day is really hard, right. and we're just gonna say that, like yeah. whatever that yeah. might look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, how I might say it to you might be different, but right. I know for me, just being your friend, like mm-hmm. I will always say it. Like we talk about her and mm-hmm. your life, lots of things often, right. and. Right. I think that it's just important because she's a piece of who you are yes. and we have to keep talking about it. I what mean, if, like you said, it doesn't have to be in every conversation. No, no. And, but I'm certainly But what about your response when, when someone would say, how are you? Because I uh, would think in my head at my worst point, how the, how do you think I am? Right, right. <laughs> um, it, yeah. How are you? I, you know, I, I we, we, at least I would say, I would just say, you know what, I'm just doing mm-hmm, what, what I'm I doing can. and I'm getting through this and cause you don't, I don't have a choice. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm just doing it. And, and now I can say I'm I'm fine and whatever. And sometimes, and again, like some people 
you know, like if you just walk by somebody in the park, oh, how you doing? Go good. You know, it's like random yeah. people. You just yeah. Because it's not their, you don't want to burden that with somebody. That's not right. their responsibility. Um, You know, and we also don't want to, um, because we have a surviving twin, we also don't want her to feel like she needs to be her replacement either. Because I think it it is different when you lose a twin compared to a, 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 sure. a child that doesn't have a twin. And I would never minimize losing a, a child that's not a twin, but it, I think it's a little bit different circumstances because we have a twin. So well, and birthday, their connection is their connection. Yes. Yeah. And their birthday is the same. And, you know, she like knows that she has a twin sister, but we don't. Did you have that conversation with her? Um, not she's seven and she, we, we, she knows that baby Mackenzie's in heaven and, you know, we go to the cemetery and stuff, but we don't really, um, drill it into her head that much because she's, I don't, I personally don't think she's old enough to understand. Yeah. I don't, when questions come up, we answer them. Um, you know, I lost my grandmother about a year and a half ago and she was like, Oh, is she in heaven with Mackenzie? Like okay. that kind of stuff. So I'm like, yep. You know, so, um, I don't think she, so really, she hasn't asked you anything on a deeper level. No, not point. yet. No. Um, and, and we'll certainly answer any questions age appropriately as they come up. Cause mm -hmm. I don't ever want to lie to her. I don't no. ever want her to not know what happened. Um, and even her own story of the, of the NICU and she almost got very sick and almost died once too. And, um, so we, we want to, I want her to always know that, you know, the truth, but yeah, no, she's never really gotten into so it. So when it's her birthday, you mm -hmm. sing happy birthday to her. Yes. And her only. Her only. Yeah. What do you think about the people? Now talk about that group that you were in. Yeah. So, um, I think, so the twin thing again is different or like if they're triplets or multiples, I think, um, we, we sing to her only, um, we do, we do go to the cemetery every year and bring flowers, but it's not, she's not here anymore. So it would be like singing happy birthday to your grandmother that passed away. You probably wouldn't do that. So it's kind of the same thing, but it's a little bit different. Um, I think that some people, um, do things differently. Um, I, I, there's a, there's a group out there that I used to belong to, but I don't anymore. And they would have like their surviving kids be like my, my twin sister's an angel in heaven and have it on a t-shirt and she would wear it. And that's not her burden to bear. Like that's not her, I, you know, that's not her thing. Um, they would give like Christmas gifts from the twin that passed away. And, and, and I, I just don't, that's not real and that's not, um, reality. So that, that to me just isn't how we would do it. Again, I don't want to knock anybody's grief or anybody's coping or whatever, but, um, my husband and I from the beginning have always said it is not her problem or her issue to bear. And we don't ever want her to think that like, we are upset that she's here and the other one isn't. And like, we don't ever want her to think that like, it's her responsibility to like, you know, live up because she had this twin that, that that's not, that's or not take her care job. of you guys. Or take yeah. care of us. Your that's not her job. What is your thought that. about um, showing emotion, sad emotion in front of her? She, yeah. Like we, uh, she's seen us like sad and stuff. Obviously she wouldn't remember her cause she was nine months old and they passed, but um, you know, and we have her, her picture hanging up in our, in our living room. And I have a little bit of a, um, like on my mantle, we have, thing, yeah. yeah, we have like, um, candles and, and stuff. And actually speaking of staff, like my staff that I used to work with gave me this beautiful, like, like figurine thing that they had made up. It's, it's beautiful. And that's like, so we have that stuff. And, and so she sees that we're sad. Um, and you know, she'll, you know, but we'll say, you know, sometimes it's okay to be sad. It's, it's really okay to be sad. Sometimes, you know, we just, we, we don't want to shelter her from everything, but at the same time, yeah, you don't want to hide. Yeah. Thing. Like, yeah. Or, or celebrate the fact that she is like the bomb She's ass doing kid. Super <laughs> like, well, like yeah. right. even just for her being born at 24 and a half weeks, like she's overcome oh, every odd that like, ever would have been thrown at her. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't think it's when they were born, she was actually the sicker one and nobody thought that she would make it. And mm -hmm. here she is. She's as healthy as a horse and she's doing super well. And, 
you know, kids that are born at 24 and a half weeks don't sometimes walk or talk or they have severe medical issues or whatever. Yeah, she's like, learning disability. Thank God. Or, yeah. Yes. She's, she's doing so well. Um, but I think that's the piece that's about like celebrating her birthday right. or milestones for right. her not being shadowed by the fact that she's not sharing those milestones with a sister. And, yep. Like, and so it's like, you made it to kindergarten. Like yes. you can ride a bike. You right. can like bake. You, you can like all these awesome right. things like that you get to do are because you're doing them, not right. because you're doing them and I'm going to be, you know, in the kitchen crying while you're putting your book bag on. I might, right. but I might still be so excited and right. so happy yeah. that you're like, doing all Yeah, all the milestones are really hard, um, especially with twins, because like the first day of kindergarten, you're like, oh God, I should be sending two kids off to kindergarten, you know? So then like, but I, I don't do that in front of her. Right. Because but how do you cope with that, Kelly? So in the moment when you're taking a picture of her going off to school, what, what works for you? Because you clearly are holding it in for a yes. certain amount of time while yes. she's there. Yes. No, I, you just, you, you do it and you like, I just like to compartmentalize, I guess, or something. But, um, I like some, like you kind of cry anyways at the first day of kindergarten because it's like kids going to kindergarten. Yeah. But, you know, you just add like her graduation and like, I, I, I kind of do that later in the day, you know, and I'll be like, it would have been really great to like have two girls like graduating and like, you know, that she really loves to bake. Would Mackenzie have loved to bake or would she have done her own thing? Like mm-hmm. even when I was pregnant, I always said like, I always wanted them to be two different people. Like, you know, I would never, you know, they're two different yeah. people. They're just happen to be born on the same day before they were born prematurely. Um, so you, you just, you kind of tuck away that stuff until later because it's not fair to her for us to be sad because her sister's not here. That's right. not fair. That's she, yeah. she deserves the best of both of us on her happy days and right. her graduations and her birthdays. And, and it's not, and, and so again, we, we, we've really tried hard to like do that, um, for her. So, and I think you do that like just perfectly. And I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I, 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 <laughs> we'll see. Talk to her when she's like 20. Do you think this has changed? Do you, do you feel like a completely different person? Yes. Um, I absolutely don't take a single person for granted ever. Um, and I think again, back to my husband, we, we really don't ever fight because it's not worth it. Right. You just have no idea when your life is going to end. You have no mm-hmm. idea when an accident is going to swipe you out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have, we've had other issues and random tragedies in the last couple of years too, that have constantly reminded us of mm-hmm. that. But, um, I am, I lay down every day and say, thank you for another day. And, you know, every single day, I don't, I've never mm-hmm. missed one. And thank you for, you know, keeping my family safe and, you know, keeping us all healthy and getting us through one more day. Like I will probably do that till the day I die because I just, um, you, well, you just, you value life. I value it so much. I think that that can be another message to other people though. Cause we, everyone is going through stuff and you don't know, like you meet Kelly and yep. you think this is, you know, who Kelly is and she's yep. smiley and happy and friendly and she's great at her job and you don't know what people are going through. So I think there's message in that, that you never know what people are right. dealing with on never. the inside. Like nope. no, no one will know this about you until this And that it shouldn't out. take to find out to have compassion. You should lead right. with compassion because right. you never know. Right. right. And the other part of that is that that, you know, we can learn also from what your tragedy and from honoring her and Mackenzie's life Mm -hmm. in the fact that appreciation for life, for things, Mm -hmm. for the people around us, Mm -hmm. for love, for all of that stuff makes so many of those small little complaints that we have about things like, I don't really like the way this went or this could be different or I really hate how, I mean, it could be just simple complaints that we have that seem so um, tiny when you think of such other big stuff. So 
now you're just like offering to anyone who's listening the fact that there's a lot of little things and like really don't sweat those little little things, right? Because there's so much more. It, they don't matter. They literally don't matter. Like there's, uh, and again, we I just uh, like we'll have a bad day or, or something awful will happen. And I'll say, this is nothing. Again, yeah. like I said before, like yeah. literally this is right. nothing. Like I'm stuck in traffic. This, this is, is nothing. nothing. This right. is nothing. But I'm, I'm, to be honest, when I asked you, or, you know, do you feel like a different person? My first thought was that you were going to say, I used to laugh more. I used to, I thought maybe that you would have led with, I, I was way more upbeat in this beforehand, which you mm-hmm. tend to see a lot of people go the opposite way. Mm-hmm. The, you know, they pick up bad habits. They they completely change who they are because they can't get through that grief. So when people have different coping mechanisms, it's easy to say, well, that's how they cope, but their life is becoming ruined almost. Right. Um, I have said this from the beginning. I never, ever want her death to be associated with anything negative in my life or my husband's life or our family. Like I don't want her death to be associated with me becoming super depressed and like taking it out on other people and being nasty and rude. And she deserves way better than that. And I will never, I will do that till the day that I die Mm -hmm. that I will never have her associated with sadness and like, or if God forbid, if like we had ever gotten divorced at the time, because like she's worth more than that and she's better than that. And um, that just wasn't going to be an option. And you us. want her to be proud of her mom. Like, her look how strong I'm being for you. Yep. And I want her to be proud. I want her sister to be proud. I, um, you know, we just, it's not an excuse to, it was never going to be an excuse for us to treat people poorly. It was never going to be an excuse. Like I have bad days. I still have bad days six years later, but I'm not going to come in and take it out on you. I'm not going to come in and take it out on my other kids or my staff or anything because it's not their problem. It's not their fault. It's, it's something that I have to deal with. Um, and it's not fair. It's and I will, and that's the big thing for me that I will never associate her, ever associated with negative stuff. When you talked about that group that you were in, and you were seeing people cope in a very different way than you, um, did you find any other resources that worked for you? Um, yeah, there's a couple of online groups and stuff that I would do. I was reading a lot of quotes, and. It, and now, and people gave me a lot of books, which was interesting. And I, for the first like six months, couldn't even open them or read them. I couldn't do it. And then I started like a lot of grief books that I found are not like stories. They're more like quotes and like passages and stuff. So I was able to just read like a little bit because like, that's all I could like focus on. Sentence. Like, yeah, like that's all I literally could focus on was just a sentence or two or a little paragraph. And then like, I would shut the book and whatever. So that was like helpful for me, you know, a little bit, but you, like now looking back, I can obviously read more than that now, but like I was, I couldn't even get it together to read a story out of a grief book because I was so distraught. What about getting back to finding laughter and feeling like yourself in a positive way? Did you feel guilt for laughing yes. at you did? You, you feel guilty a little bit, um, you know, and you're like, okay, like, so we, so she had passed in April and her birth, their first birthday was in June. So it was like, she deserves so, a party. Yeah. Like she, we have to have a party for her. Mm-hmm. And I felt we actually ended up having it like a week or two later because like I needed to like have that separation a little bit and, and that's fine. But, um, you do a party feel, for your other daughter, for my other daughter, yeah. the surviving. Yes. Twin. Um, and it was like, you, you just, you do feel guilty. You feel in the beginning a little bit. And I'm like, you know, we, 
I want to have this party. I'm going to celebrate her and how well she's doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, but it was like, and I feel guilty. Picture of yeah. her on the table yeah, with, with those chubby yeah. cheeks. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. Um, she was so tiny and chubby at the same time. She but, like, you couldn't even find a one-year-old outfit. She was so small. Like, she wanted a shirt that said one, That's but she birthday. was in the size of a she one-year-old. Was, oh, she like, was, so she was in, like, three-month-old outfit. Yeah, she was tiny, like, real tiny. And oh, yeah. so like, so she and, was like, where do I get a one-year-old? I remember this. I was yeah, having right. this conversation. She's like, where do I get a one-year-old shirt for, for a preemie one-year-old? <laughs> yes. And my aunt actually ended up finding one who's back then, like Etsy yeah. and stuff like really wasn't even a thing like yeah. six years ago. So like now you could probably get one smaller, yeah. but like you couldn't just go into like Toys R Us and like get yeah, like, cause yeah, they had right. like, it's my birthday. And it, yeah. it was, everything was big. 12 months old. Yeah. yeah. And they were just doing so and everything. So, but where mm-hmm. does the guilt come from? Is it the guilt of she thinks up there that we're not caring or other people might think we don't care? Like a little bit of both. Yeah. I think that people like I think that it, it, we were, it was guilty. It, it, it was a sadness and guilt, like all wrapped into one, I guess. Um, yeah. So I'll pit, I mean, some of the things that I, that I looked up, you know, in kind of preparation were, um, you know, basic emotions that people go through when they lose a child specifically. So not grief and loss of an adult, but grief and loss of a child. Um, one, it says guilt was the primary emotion. So there's eight of them total. It just said, obviously, we're lot, responsible yeah. for our children. And the expectation of the universe is that you never bury a child. People say Correct. that all the time. So guilt of asking yourself, what could I have done? What should we have done? Was there something we didn't do that we could have? You know, all of those remo- emotions, um, you know, kind of feeling responsible for how you're acting, how you're behaving, how you're living your life, how you're not living your life, all that. that. Guilt Um, guilt is the worst one mm -hmm. for us. I think we have a lot of guilt um, that will never go away. So Um, you still feel that? Oh, oh, yeah. Can you give an example of how you feel guilty? um, You know, maybe we should have been more proactive in in her medical care and and we should have known more and we should have done this. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, I wouldn't have had them really if I would have done that. Not, you know, you just, that will, that will stay with me and my husband for different reasons forever. Like there's that, that guilt will never go away. Um, it's, it's, do you think it's okay to carry that guilt? Because I'm sure a lot of people, there's a difference between carrying guilt and obsessing to the point where you I, I, yeah, I, I don't know that I obsess about it anymore. I, I still carry it. And, um, like when we talk about it, you know, or talk about her, like, you know, we both, again, guilty for different things. Um, you know, and, and I, I don't know. It's just something that's a part of us. I, I don't yeah. know that, that it's right or wrong or indifferent, but I don't well, know. I don't know how you shake feel. it off. Like, yeah, there, and I think just as a parent, and if there was an accident or something, you would have been like, if I would have ran out and grabbed him in the front right. of the street. Oh, or of course. If I would have, I would have let their, their uh, swims, life jacket, right, life jacket you know, any right. of that stuff. Like, I didn't cut up that food smaller. Or or she didn't choke. Right. Any of that, like, I think as a parent, I think that's just in general, right. You just will always. But you that. know that her passing had nothing to do with right. you. Yeah, you could. Yes. Do, do you know that? Do you we, tell yourself this has nothing? We did not do this. Yeah, we. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, it, yeah, you tell you logically you know that, but then in your heart it takes Still over and you good. just it feels. Like, well, because you're the parent and you're the protector. Right. You should be able to take care of So this kids. comes to the next one. So the next topic or the next um, emotional kind of common emotion feeling is blame. It just says it's very common for parents to feel that they um, either have to blame themselves or someone else. Um, and then it just says, obviously, avoid blaming your partner or family members. Um, 
or even your marriage. So I think blame obviously connects to guilt. Mm -hmm. So you feel a certain way. So, you know, you try to place that on other people. Like if I blame, you know, whoever, um, that'll make it take a little bit off of me. If I can say, again, if we're going to use a different example, if I can blame that car that was driving too fast, that hit my child, well, then I can blame that person. Or if, you know, I don't know of another situation, or if there was a lifeguard on duty, then my child, that he would have been able to see my child, you know, in the pool or something. So any other kind of tragic loss. I think that that was a big one. Um, Bargaining was a third one. It just says it's normal to try to kind of look for answers to cure the hurt. You might um, take risks looking for this. So it said try to trade places or feeling like, um, you know, I could do this in order to take back the despair of losing a child. Um, So it sounds like that would be almost in the beginning, like kind of. Yeah. And I I don't know that I ever felt that way. way. Um, and only because we had another one at home. So like, like, did that make you more of an overprotective parent? Yes. yes. Um, (laughs) I'm like, yes. Um, yeah, we, to this day, like I, I, and I try not to be like super, like I've helicopter, super helicopter. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, but yeah, it does make you become way more overprotective for sure. (laughs) But that can also result when they get older can I go to her house? No. Can I do this? No. Right. So you will There's have some, t- yeah, you have to try to mm-hmm. say, okay, this is another way I'm projecting her death onto her. Right. And you have to figure out, I would assume, okay, this is all result because I'm so scared to lose her. Right. Yeah. Like we, after, after Mackenzie passed, Carly ended up in the hospital um, about a year later and we thought she was going to die. And that was, it was, I mean, how do you take it Yeah. It was like, how can we even do this again? Like she was as healthy as a horse and she got very sick with a respiratory infection and she landed in the ICU for a month. Um, and that she went from healthy to that. It was just mm-hmm. like living it all over again. Oh, that um, month they had to it was like awful. Years. And we were talking earlier about the beeping. Mm-hmm. Like I hate beeps because every like thing in the hospital beeps and makes noise and whatever. Um, so, that was awful. And then I was like, well, I'm quitting my job. I'm staying home and I'm not doing, I'm not leaving her again. Yeah. And then you kind of back up and back off a little bit of that. And, and, and it, you know, but, um, we don't like, cause she has a little bit, some asthma, but that's it. But we don't ever leave the house without, like if we're going away over there without a thermometer, um, a Tylenol, her, a nebulizer machine, like a band, like we're like a traveling pharmacy yeah. and she 90, hundred percent of the time, exactly. we don't think we've ever even used it, but I just still have that fear of like, if something ever happened, I need to have that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we were last year, we spent an overnight with our friends and one of the kids, they thought they had a fever. And I said, oh, let me get my thermometer. My friend's like, do you have a thermometer with you? I'm like, I yeah, sure of do. Course. Yes, I sure I do. do. I sure do. Yes. Like, yeah, but that's, I think that's being a proactive parent. Yeah. I also think that, so there's that piece of it. So that's mm-hmm. like the trauma response. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be prepared for anything because I need to make sure that like right. I can protect her as much as I can. Right. But again, remember what you said earlier about the way that you live your life. That also means every single moment you're appreciating right. what's going on around you. So yes. you, there's good and bad, right? right? So like now you know how precious her life is yes. and how much you want to be there for every single thing that yep. she does and how proud you are. And many parents sometimes forget we, that if they haven't gone through that tragedy that yes. they're like, maybe I will miss that today or maybe I'm not going to do this with you today. And I think that you don't do that intentionally because you know how precious oh, like her life yeah. is. Yeah, even just with losing Mackenzie, but also the NICU and how much of an obstacle just getting over that herself right. she had to do. I'll never forget the one time. She was probably about a year and a half. And 
it was like my husband and I were watching like a miracle happen before our eyes. And it was so funny. Now that I can say that it was so funny. She like took a juice box out, opened the straw and put the straw in the juice box by herself. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, like she'll be okay. Like yeah. she's yes. doing okay with yeah. herself. Like, and like we were sitting there watching her do this and like we were watching some like, but like any other kid on earth could have done right. that and it would have not been a thing. But like, cause we were like really tracking all those milestones right. to see if she was going to even be okay herself and, mm-hmm. and all these things. And so we kind of always, we made a deal in the beginning, like we would never do anything of her first, like separate. Like mm-hmm. I would, she wouldn't go to the zoo without the both of us the first time. Like she wouldn't do all these things because we, we had missed out on so much. What even when, when she was, was a baby, yeah, yes. when she was spending all that time in the hospital. Right. So we, um, you didn't get all those like, you know, stay right. up all night with her. You know, that was, that, that was, was not taken. A, yeah. yeah, that was taken. Mm-hmm. So, so we really tried to make that best of that first year. I think after she came home and just enjoy every like minute of like mm-hmm. her life. And even now we're like, Oh my God, she graduated kindergarten. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, she's writing a like, like again, yeah, maybe, you value her life more, more than you ever yes. probably thought you could. Even if we didn't lose Mackenzie, just the fact the, that the, the outlook, you, yes. the outlook yes. of when, when they're mm-hmm. born and what they tell you that their life probably will be. And what it is now is like, you're looking and you're like, Oh my God, she may never walk. She may mm-hmm. never talk. She may have all these medical things. And it's like, Oh my gosh, she's doing all of these things. Right, like right. with, she would walk right by you and you would mm-hmm. never know. Like right. it's just, and uh, yeah. It's, it's I have really... two favorite Carly moments. <laughs> my first, they're actually from the same day. Actually I have three favorite Carly moments, but two are from the same day, but her daughter came to Milo's birthday party was my daughter, all seven year olds. And Carly is like significantly so tiny, tinier. So like, I mean, I she's her. a very petite little girl and my daughter's very tall and her friends are all probably the you know average size of a seven year old. And we had a coloring contest and all the girls were spending all this time coloring and Carly was right there with them coloring. And then it was a contest. Right. So like if they had to pick a winner, she hands me this picture. She's like, it's all over the place. And she goes, this is the winner. <laughs> and I was like, love you. I can't, I mean, and if you know Jill, things need to be colored in the lines. <laughs> oh, and well, she had some OT she, stuff. Oh my God. Oh, like, yeah. Right. She's, like, yeah. no, this was the cute, like she handed it in and she was like, this is the winner. And I was like, I just the confidence of oh, this yeah. child was epic. She's a boss. And then like total boss. Yeah. And then they're all running around and like, I mean, she's small. So to run up the stairs, she's got little legs. It takes her a while. And she was just girls that she had never met before, like except for Mila. She's like, wait for me, girls. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming, girls. Oh, like, yeah. And she just, she doesn't know she has no idea. like that she's little. Nope. She doesn't know like right now at seven. Yeah. I don't think she knows that she had almost died so many times. Yes. I don't think she knows how strong she is. I don't think she knows like half of the things and strength that she possesses. And she like, she'll just get a chair if she can't reach or she's right. just like, like she doesn't even like think her, about it. It's just like, doesn't define her. And, like, no, no, she had, and, could, like no idea, yeah. like no clue that she has like overcome like so beyond much. immeasurable so odds. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and she doesn't care. She's just she like, doesn't this care. is who I am. And that's another thing. Like, I love it. And I were like, we will never let her use her beginning of her life as right. an excuse not to like work so hard right, in her right, life. Because right. I've known people to be like, well, you know, I have this. I was really or sick I, when I was I younger. Was really not, right. That's not going to be an option for her. Right. That is not a thing. Right. Like we don't even talk to her about that. She doesn't remember it, obviously. Um, and obviously she will when she's older. She'll know right. about it. But 
that's but not. she doesn't walk around saying like, well, I can't do that because I'm really little and yeah, like I'm a 26 yeah, right. yeah, right. right. It's not a thing. And um, we met somebody like that. Remember, we had met that guy yep. and um, at a conference, and yep. this guy was like, you know, oh well, I just I was born so early and my legs and all you know all this stuff was happening. He was talking about all of his medical issues, and he had let that completely like right. shape right. his entire life. Like, feel bad for me, I'm a victim. When Carly's like, bam, look at my picture, right. and I'm in kindergarten, and watch me do this. Well, and here's my like, follow up question that, to that yeah. is so that that man who's talking like that I know a child who lost a sibling and I know a child who lost a parent and the spoiling that naturally happens for the child mm-hmm. no discipline they can have whatever they yeah. want um which I would assume would be a connection mm-hmm. with this guy right, who right. they used his disability right. or whatever he happened to him right. as a reason to, well, he was a to shower baby. him right. with, ev- yeah. with everything yeah. because why would I want to yell at her? What if she dies tomorrow? Yeah. Or yeah. here, it's not Christmas, but let's go to the toy store. Yeah. What do you ever find yourself? We, we again, we try really hard to not have her associated with that. We try really hard. Like we, I don't, I don't think like she got punished last night, actually. Like we don't, um, I, I, cause I want to make sure that she is a good person. I want to make sure she's a su- successful adult. We want to yes. give her all the supports and resources she needs right now to get through school and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're not getting her a jail out of free. No, absolutely because... not. That is not her. Cause, and I don't, and, and if I do that, she's going to do that when she's older. That's mm-hmm. not going to be. And yeah. Thomas like, Sutton doesn't is, run that kind of thing. That is not, well, yeah, <laughs> that is not a thing. Um, we, we, we treat her just, uh, again, she doesn't even probably realize how much overprotective I am because I like have all this mm-hmm. stuff packed and stuff and she doesn't even know, obviously. But like we treat her just like we would treat a, a regular kid that hasn't like, mm-hmm. gone through all that stuff yep. because again, she deserves to have the most normal, whatever normal life, life is. Yeah. yeah that her, she yeah. can for her. Um, yeah. And I don't want, I, yeah, we're going to try to not ever have her be that person of like, mm-hmm. I was born early and this is, so I can't be a good person. And I can't, mm-hmm. no, that's not a thing. Cause that, I think that could be a way you know, when you talk about parents projecting that guy probably yep. heard from his mom sure. all the time or the dad, mm-hmm. don't worry. You were the, right. you know, that's stuff that's, that was probably told right. to him. Yep. You went through this, so you can't do this, mm-hmm. or you can do this. And the message yeah. to the message never. I no, can't. Yeah, she it's doesn't like even you know. will. Let's just figure yeah. it out. We'll just. Yeah, it's, she doesn't even know. She doesn't even like know that what she was through because she doesn't mm-hmm. obviously remember. And we again, we'll we'll tell her when she's older mm-hmm. and when she can wrap her mind around a little bit better. But um, she. But I do think something that h- hangs with her is she's super super compassionate, mm-hmm. and she is going to be either like a nurse or a social worker or like in the Peace Corps, mm-hmm. my husband, I always tease that like, she's going to, she's going to do something because she like always sees like, she's obsessed with wheelchairs and people in wheelchairs and how can I help the people in wheelchairs mm-hmm. and how do I like, why are they in wheelchairs and how do we make them better? And like, you know, so she's like, and I think that she got that subconsciously or whatever, like from what she's gone mm-hmm. through and sure. like, she doesn't remember it, but it's in her now. She's like one of like the most compassionate kids I've ever met, like mm-hmm. small kids. Like it's really, well, think about yeah. the people in the NICU taking care of her, all right. compassionate human beings right. around the family that was helping you in the NICU, you guys being compassionate for other babies. So she's mm-hmm. just lived in compassion right. her whole life. Right. right. People right. at your house mm-hmm. supporting you with Mackenzie, yeah. like mm-hmm. that she yeah. only knows that. She, right. she's constantly wanting to donate her toys to the needy yeah. and Aww. like, that's her like other big thing, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, let's help. You know, she's like, what are the needy? She's just, she's so... She really does have that, which is, I hope she doesn't like lose mm-hmm. that because that's a really, one of her best qualities, I think. Before we transition to the beautiful story that yeah. comes after her death, sure. um, is there anything that you, 
any advice that you could give to parents who are either just going through this or they've gone through it for six years and they're not making any strides? Like what, what advice either helped you or? I think that again, when people tell you it gets easier with time, it, it doesn't. Um, and you get through it. You don't get over it. Um, you, you have to allow yourself when you're sad to be sad and it's okay. And it will never go away. Um, the sad, the sadness will get less, I think, but it won't, it won't go away. Um, you'll be sitting in a store and you'll see a kid that looks like her or like their favorite food or whatever, you know, and it kind of just reminds you and it's okay. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to, um, just have a bad day and struggle. It, it's okay. Um, and if you are still struggling really terribly, then it is time to seek professional mm-hmm. help, I think. Um, you know, and when you're ready and there's tons of, there's the perinatal support group, there's um, Children's Hospital has a bunch of stuff. Actually, hospice has a ton of stuff. Um, there's there's a ton of just support groups out there that even wouldn't be necessarily therapy if you're not ready for that. Or if you want to do the therapy, not the groups, there's all that kind of stuff. Um, but and it's important not to feel judged or judge other people, you know, and it's like, it's not fair. Like I can be happy. Like if I see a pair of twin girls walking by, I can be happy for them and sad for me. Like that's, Mm -hmm. you can feel that at the same time. I like that. Because I think that a lot of people have these like absolutes, like I'm not allowed to experience joy while I'm experiencing pain. And you are, you are absolutely can be celebrating Christmas and feel super happy in that moment, but also feel sad. And a lot of us feel like those emotions can't um, happen concurrently. And your pain doesn't mean that you're not happy for them. Right. right? So just because you don't feel joy for them. Like if, if I would assume, let's say you saw twins and your first reaction isn't, oh, look at the mm-hmm. twins or your first reaction is I'm really sad. That doesn't mean you're wishing bad for them right. or you Never. are not like, happy for them. You're just right, acknowledging right. I'm feeling pain. Right. right. And I can be happy or not happy for them or whatever. I mean, whatever the emotion might be. It's funny because right after, not funny, but right after she had passed, we had went to dinner um, probably a month or two after she had passed my husband and we brought Carly. She was little and she was in the carrier thing and. We were out and we were waiting and a parent, um, parents came in with a set of twins, like babies at their age. And I'm like, oh my God, what is that? Like the first time we're going out and all these things. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, you know what? Then I, so I'm like, people will look at us and maybe be struggling for, with fertility right? and say, look at that family. Mm-hmm. I wish I was them. They have no idea right. that we just right. lost a child. They're looking at us going, oh, look at those look people. At the There's, you know, look they at don't that know. Baby. They're not looking going, they oh, no there's idea. Kelly, the one who lost, lost it. Yeah. Right. They have no idea as you're waiting yeah. for your table at the restaurant, you know? Um, and it, it was, so you just, you kind of have to, again, re- I really check, really check yourself and remind yourself that like it, it, there is life and you have to survive and you have to do what you need to do. And people don't always know what's going on in your life. And it, like I said, we were sitting there mm-hmm. and I told, and I was telling my husband, I'm like, you know, there could be, there's a bunch of couples standing there. I'm like, one of these people could be struggling with fertility or just mm-hmm. also lost a baby. We don't know. Right. They could have done the same thing. We right. just happen to have miscarriage. Yeah. Another one with us. Like, yeah. you know, so it's, 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 it's hard. It's well, which there. is compassion, which mm-hmm. is, yeah. That's so hard to feel when you're going through pain. I mean, and it just shows like what a good person you are just to begin with. (laughs) The fact that you could think of somebody else not having a baby in your grief. Right. Well, and and I I think, again, that I'm I'm more of a logical thinker. And and I think that helped me through my grief. Like, I I had to be like, well, there's people out there struggling too. And there's people, you know, like, and just. Well, it's like mindfulness. Like, all right, I see twins. I'm feeling 
the pain and I, okay, I see the thought. Now I'm moving on. Let's order our food. Mm -hmm. It's okay to acknowledge that pain. You don't always have to run from it because it's going to, you're going to see it every day, whether it's your phone beeping or that. What what else? What were some other PTSD triggers for you? Uh, Well, the beeping is is one that's just from the NICU. That's not really from her passing. Um, That's really awful. Facebook time hops are killing me Mm -hmm. sometimes because like, you know, so you know, some of the stuff will come up and say, oh, you know, to, you know, today the girls are doing great and everybody's mm-hmm. doing good. Or today she came home from the hospital. Oh, and Kelly. like, yeah, yeah. And that's, that really like is a struggle. Like for mm-hmm. me, sometimes I'm just like, damn, you darn time hop. Like I just, yeah. you know, I can't, um, that's really a PTSD thing for me. Um, seeing twins isn't as much of a bother to me as anymore as it was six years ago. Um, I think a lot of the milestones still for my, and that will always probably be there. Mm-hmm. Like always like, graduations and and not even birthdays, but more like stuff like school stuff. And like, you know, now she's doing that, you know, like, and you're constantly like, wow, well, she really likes this, but she have wanted that birthday cake too. Or like, you know, so that's a lot of like stuff. So it, but yeah, so there's, there's different kinds of PTSD stuff. There's NICU PTSD, which I think is a very real thing mm-hmm. um, because it, that is the worst. Um, it's just terrifying in a lot of ways. And then the, yeah. And then the death is just, so like you said, it's not about, getting rid of the pain. It's mm-hmm. just surviving through it and surviving. acknowledging that it's not going to get better, but it's all how you respond. You, yeah, you have to respond and live the best life that you can, or you don't. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, and you kind of are, you, and everything that you do in like, your life is a choice. You can choose to try to do the best that you can, or you can, you know, try and, you know, it's just. So why don't we talk about your third child yeah. and let's talk about the gift that you're, <laughs> angel daughter sent you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, three years ago in March, um, something crazy happened and, um, we uh, had basically a little baby girl land on our doorsteps, um, that we were not expecting. We weren't looking for, um, literally, literally landed on our doorsteps. Um, she was five weeks old and, um, her relative, um, reached out to me cause she knows a social worker and said, you know, she's going to be in born and she was going to be in foster care and all these things. And, um, so she, we talked and like nine days later she was living with us and we just, so they, so, all, so they reached out to you for help. Like, Hey, on I Facebook. have, I, on Facebook, yep. I have this baby. My, yeah. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And, and I said, I don't know. I work with adults. I don't do anything with kids, but, um, it was, it was not the baby's mother. It was a relative of yep. hers. And she realized that maybe it, she didn't know what was going to happen and all these things. So, um, we, so you were just trying to send her yeah. in the right direction, yeah. maybe call social services. Yeah. Or- so she came over and, um, we took a look at her and we're like, well, here we are. And now she's not going anywhere because she belongs right here with us. Um, so nine days later, she was like, we legally became like her guardians and, um, we became, we, in Erie County, you have to become foster parents and it's a whole thing, but we became foster parents and we adopted her in February, um, right before she turned or right after she turned three. Um, and it's, kind of crazy how the whole thing came to a full circle for us. Um, there's not a doubt in my mind that she was sent to us for a purpose and a reason. Yep. Um, we were not looking for that. We were not looking for her. She clearly was looking for us, I guess, in the God's way of, of setting stuff up for us. Um, yeah. And 
she's a blonde haired, blue eyed pistol. And she's like, and you know, I, I, I don't know if it was like, you know, God sending her to us and saying, you know, Carly needs a sister and here she is another one, um, or whatever. But we, you know, again, we always said she would never, absolutely never replace Mackenzie in any kind of way, shape or form. No. Um, she does not feel any hole for her, for us, for her loss because, um, you know, some people, that's another thing people said, well, is she feeling like you're void? No, cause she's not her. Um, nothing will and that, that doesn't boy. take away the pain that no. you've experienced that no. will always be yes. in, in your brain. Yeah. And, 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 and the whole foster system is very difficult and awful to deal with and plug through, but we did it because again, we've been through worse. Um, and well, and you just knew that she was supposed to be here. Like yeah. my, maybe Mackenzie sent her to us. Right. Right. You know, like what, um, what, like, Again, what are what what are the odds? Like, and we tell people our story in in a lot more detail than we're talking about now. And it's like people are like, this isn't this is insane. Like how this like it, it was literally out of nowhere. It was like it, it was just meant to be, and it was um it's just the thing that happened. And now we have like I said, the worst question is how many kids do you have, and we have two at home because we do have two at home. Yeah, and um she definitely completes our family. Yeah. She's you know, a beautiful addition. She's, yeah. yeah. She's our beautiful addition, but again, she does not fill any void or whatever, um, that Mackenzie would have left behind. Um, and so that, that was really, you know, people, so she, how old is she? She's almost three and a half. And she's been with you since, since she was five weeks old. She's never slept in another. She's never. Thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's been with us since the beginning of her time. Pretty and much. All someone yeah. was trying to do was just f- figure out who to call to help this baby. Yeah. And you said, cause she, yeah. Cause she was already kind of removed um, from her parents care and yeah. um, was with another relative. And um, then they kind of reached out to me, like I said, knowing that I was a social worker and <laughs> here we are three and a half years she later. She said, Tom Sutton, would you like to uh, <laughs> take this baby for a little while? <laughs> well, yeah. Cause we were talking about it. <laughs> Well, no, it was actually him more than me, I think. And that's how we got our dog, too. But anyway. Like, did you guys have have a light bulb moment, like an epiphany? Like, did you look at each other and say, are we supposed to adopt this baby? Well, so we had no idea we were getting ourselves into. That's Again, that's a long story. That's not for another time. But um, when, when she came over and we're holding her and he's holding her and it's just like, we can't let her go. We can't let her go into like a, the foster system or, or to another, fa- like, like, like it just felt right for her to be there. Yeah. She, yeah. So she had stayed with us, um, like for a day or so, um, the, the, the relative left her with us. And it was so funny when she came to pick her up, Carly was about three and a half when she came to live with us. And the the person came. She's like, "You can take your baby home now." Yeah. And we're like, "Oh no, this isn't our baby." <laughs> yeah, like she's like, like you know, like the the lady was, you know, so the relative was like, so we still laugh about that to this day because she's like, "Yeah, I'm good. Like I don't want this like small person in my house." Like you know, but now they like she doesn't remember life without her. They don't know each other any other way. Like they're That's totally her sister. Sisters. Yeah. Um. You know. So um. When we had her adoption, um. We, you know, Carly was like, why did we go to that big building? And Chloe thought it was her name's Chloe thought it was her birthday because it was right after her birthday. And like, we had a big cake and a like party. And, and we're stuff. going to the courthouse. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like she really, she's like, it's my, cause they gave her present. I mean, it was like this oh. whole thing and our family was there and some of our friends were there and stuff. And so she thought it was her birthday again. Like, so we just left it at that. Yeah, and sure. And it kind of was a birthday really. Cause it's yeah. the adoption day. And, um, and then Carly, just a couple like weeks ago, Carly's like, why did we do that again? And I'm like, oh, because Chloe, um, 
you know, we adopted her and she's like, oh, because we were the winners. Like she got to stay yeah. with us. Oh, and I was winners. like, we are the winners. Like, I guess, you know, like we, I guess we are the winners, yeah. you know? And so she, um, but, and it doesn't come up like ever, like they're never we, like, this is my adopted. No, never. No. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the, um, the crazy ending in February to our, five years of roller yeah. coaster and and she was also our secret too be that we couldn't even talk about because you can't put her on Facebook you can't like right you can't talk about any of that stuff um so when we adopted her some of the people that maybe I'm not close with or or we would see people in public they'd be like you have another baby like how did you yeah. know where, where and we're like she has to be our secret like you know she's like our biggest um her biggest secret and so even to this day she was we adopted her what six months ago now or so and I still feel goofy like putting her up on Facebook or talking about her or whatever because like it was so long that we couldn't, couldn't do that yeah. Like it was just, so now it's like, it's like this lift or whatever. And it's just still kind of like a little bit different, but were you ever worried that, I mean, people really shouldn't worry about what others think, but were you ever worried that they were like, Oh, they're trying to fill a void. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, uh, people probably thought that for a while, but again, I say, I start this off every conversation and I have, we were not this looking was not for not your attention. This was not, we were <laughs> trying to plan our trip to Disney actually. Like, yeah, it wasn't and like then, we were trying no, to have another baby. We were not, like we were not going to do the fall. We, that wasn't even a blip on our radar. Like we were literally planning our vacation and then that got canceled till the next year because she literally landed on our doorstep. Well, so I asked you too. I was like, did you ever think, cause you think of yourself at 23 and then 33 and then you're like, I was like, did you ever think at 23 or 27 that at 37 you would be in a, you would have an adopted, adopted daughter? No, no. Like never no, in your never life. Plan. That was not, a, that was and not. And were a you plan. even close with the woman no, who I didn't reached even. out? That to me is even crazier. Um, it's not like your first cousin. She's a like, distant help. cousin. She's a distant cousin. Um, and okay, but not just, somebody no, you spoke no, to. No, not really. Um, and like we were just Facebook friends and like we would see each other maybe like if there's like a family reunion every couple of years or like whatever. It wasn't, like, like, um, my, it's on my dad's side. He's kind of closer to her than I am. And like, um, I had never even met my, bi uh, my adopted daughter's biological mother in my life. So like, I had, didn't know these people. Like, so it was not like, okay, we lost Mackenzie and now we're going to like try to fill this void. No, with, like, you just, you know, we were living like, your life. We were just living a life. And finally, like, it seems like that happens. Like we were, things were starting to like, it was like three years later, like it was starting to calm down. And then like all of a sudden, like, here we go again. It's like, okay. And then we started down another three-year journey of fostering and, and court and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and this question, I don't want to trigger guilt, but do yeah. you think her being in addition to your family, do you think that has helped any of the pain at all? Um, it was a, because of what we had to go through for her, I think it was a good distraction for us. Sure. Um, because we were, she took up a lot of time, yeah. court took up a lot of time. Yeah. A lot of the fostering stuff took up take her out of it. Just mm -hmm. the logistics of all of what we had to do took up a lot of time. So I think it was a little bit of a, a break, good, a good distraction yeah. or a break. And um, then we had this infant that we had to take care yeah. of in the beginning. And the infants are a lot of work. And so, mm -hmm. you know, so then, and, and toddlers are a ton of work too. And like, so we, it was just kind of like a distraction. I think that sure. maybe a little bit helped us less focus on the grief that we were going through. Yep. Um, and kind of more focused on that with ever not obviously forgetting Mackenzie, but just kind of looking towards that more um, because that was, she was with us. She's alive. She's here. You know, we have to deal with her. And from the day she stepped foot in our house, we were like, no one is to treat her any differently. Mm -hmm. This is, and I made it very clear. I'm like, she is as equal part of this family as anybody else is until the day she's not living here anymore. And cause at the beginning, we weren't really sure what was yeah. going to happen. Um, so I, you know, we definitely, 
like made that clear to everybody. Did Did you ever see research on uh, when women decide to have try again very shortly after? Is that is that something that you thought at the time of your life maybe we could do that? Do you think people are judged? Um, rather easily for trying again quickly. I think that it's a, it's a mix of things. I think that um, the NICU was very traumatizing for us. So I think just that in and of itself was like I don't know that we ever wanted have that, if that could happen yeah. again. We don't want to have that happen again. Um, I had twins the first time. The older you get, the there's a better chance of having twins the second time. Like I the, like I, what, what, if I it would have just been I would have been a wreck. Like because they were yeah. born so early. My, my husband was a wreck. He still is a wreck about some of that stuff. He can like you know. So um I, you know I think that you do you. Like I think that sometimes people have babies right away and that's fine. I think. For for us, that wasn't really um, an option at that point. You know, maybe we would have if, you uh, didn't if we have had Chloe, Chloe show up on our doorstep because yeah. now we have an infant, and it's like, well, and Carly, and like, what do you? Well, you know, that's what I mean. If you also didn't have Carly, right, a complete emptiness, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I yeah, I maybe maybe we would have, um, but I I think that for me and for us, we needed to to collect ourselves and, sure. and really co- take that get time it together to, to yeah. take some time yeah. for that. I have a, a, a friend on, on Instagram that had lost her son to drowning and she had said this, she just uh, gave birth to a baby girl about two weeks ago. Um, and she had said, um, she talks a little bit about her daughter's life, but then she said, um, her birth does not cancel out my son's death. He still does not get a childhood and will never know her on this earth. Yes, their lives are intertwined, woven together with strands of love. But the second she was born, these two babies of mine also became independent of one another. I worried I would feel like my love for each of them was competing against the other in some way. But now I realize that will never be the case. We will forever miss and grieve our son while simultaneously loving and celebrating all of his sisters. Right. That's, that's exactly what mm-hmm. I, you know, this, uh, Chloe was not a, even if we could have 10 more kids probably, mm-hmm. and none of them will fill the void that she had, um, you know, that that's just not a thing. Um, and you can kind of, um, divide your love, I guess, amongst your mm-hmm. children differently. Um, it, it's, that's, yeah, that's a really good way to put it, what that woman said. But it really is mm-hmm. so important that you give really that undivided attention to that other child because the more and more we've been doing different podcasts about why people then turn to um, drugs or alcohol or they don't have a a fulfilled childhood really all relates back to that need of love from their parents. Yeah. And and maybe my my profession helped me a little bit with mm-hmm. that. You had asked me that earlier and, yeah. I, was, and I thought about it. Maybe that helped me a little bit. Um, you know, parenting is tough no matter who you are or what you do. And, you know, so what kind of kids you have or what kind of relationships you're in, but um, you just, you have to, they're kids and they're, you have to try to give them the best life that you can yeah. and protect them as much as you can and balance it as much as you can with letting them go as much. And, you know, and just, um, doing what you know to do is the best thing. Yeah. Like that's all you can do. What do you, when you feel like you're best, what are you, what are you doing when you are, are having a great day and you feel like your best self? Um, I, I'm probably with my family and my friends. Um, we have friends that are over all the time. We have 
the best of friends. They all have little kids. We all hang out together. We spend a lot of weekends together because we're all in the same boat with raising small kids. Um, and, and they were with us the whole step, every step of the way when we had gotten went through all the stuff with Chloe and they were at the, at the, the courthouse when she was adopted. And, you know, so, um, I think that's probably when I'm my best self is when I'm with my friends and, um, some of my family and just enjoying life and friendships and families and the whole, the whole thing. Um, you know, and, and now that we finally have closed the chapter on Chloe, we can try to, in theory, move forward as a family of mm-hmm. four living people, you know, um, and just kind of whatever. And again, it's not, it's not going to be her responsibility to feel guilty about Mackenzie either. It's not her. And I don't ever want her to feel that like she filled a void for us or any of that stuff. Like that's not her guilt to carry. And what's your favorite um, part about motherhood? Um, watching baking their, 5,000 ba- cookies yeah, baking every day. 7,000. Yeah. My <laughs> car loves to make. Um, um, I think my favorite thing about motherhood is just watching their personalities and them grow and the, um, the, I love you's and, uh, Chloe is just even more so than Carly is just so loving. And it's, I remember the one time when we were, um, really struggling with a court. I don't remember what was going on. It was, something was awful with her court stuff and we were having dinner. She's like, I just love you, mom and dad so much. And she has no idea what's going on. And it's like, okay, now we're going to get it back together and keep going on again. Yeah, recharge. You know, every okay. time that we wanted to like, you know, fall. But I just think watching them grow, watching them develop as people, um, watching their personalities and trying to, you know, de- uh, build on their strengths and help them with their weaknesses. I think that's, I think that's probably my favorite part of, of motherhood and just that. And another question that I want to ask you is how big, how much did God play in your journey for you? Big. Um, uh, we, uh, I'm not, um, I'm, I'm Catholic. We're not super religious, but we are, I guess, in a, in a way. Um, again, like I said, every night I lay down and I say, thank you for another day. Thank you for, you know, to whoever's out, you know, God or whatever. Yeah. Um, we, uh, you know, we often go to, to church, um, on the anniversary of her death. Um, cause that just helps me, you know, and it doesn't always help everybody in religion and church and whatever religion you are, mm-hmm. that's fine. It doesn't always help everybody, but it helps us. I pray, um, a lot. Um, I, I can't tell you how many NICU pr- prayers I said when they were in the NICU yeah. more than, and, you know, anything I ever did. Um, and we were on several, church prayer lists for a long time. Like our friends and family put us on their, you know, mm-hmm. lists and and actually this the weekend after she had passed, um, a coworker of mine, he was in mass and they said her name at mass. I don't know who put her on mm-hmm. their list at the church, you know, but Aww. he was like, I just want you to know that I was at a church I've never even been to and they said her name and they were the whole church was like and it, so it was it was very important to me. Um and and I think my husband as well. Um but we just really Do you think that journey through the NICU and her passing made you more spiritual? Yes. Yes. And then, um, then yes, definitely. And then the whole thing with Chloe just really wrapped oh, it, it all was up like the cherry. Like, yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. Just, you know, that was just like, okay, well, I here think we spirituality are. too. It has, to, you have to have that in order to know that she's safe. She's okay. She's being taken care of. She's right. loved, you know, she gets to do all those things that she is doing, whatever, because no one right. knows what life is like after we're not on this right. earth anymore. And if you don't have some connection to spirituality, you're left with a lot of unknown. So right. it's which can, nicer. which can make you go crazy. Yeah, the unknown. Right. It's They're, much nicer to think like, right. this is how it's looking up there. She's being held by your grandma. Like right. she's, yes. you know, we like, there's been some goofy like stuff. And we're like, well, like that, like bad, 
bad stuff should have happened just yeah. recently. Something like, but anyways, and we we're like, well, we have our angel watching yeah. out for us because like totally. somebody's got to be watching out for us. And like, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and I always, and I always like, I'll tell her, I'll be like, don't watch out for me. Watch out for your sisters. Like yeah. I got me like do them. Yes. Like, you know, and so we always, I always, you know, when I'm praying and stuff or when I visit her at the cemetery and stuff, that's what I always say to her. We like it worry about them. Like, and it gives you this like odd sense of confidence too. Like when I think about like something going through, I always think of my grandpa who we were, I was really close to. It almost gives you this like odd sense of protection. Like, you know, that they are right there and it makes you feel so comfortable. It's hard to explain, but if you, if you do are spiritual or you do believe in that, um, it almost makes you feel a little untouchable. Right. Yeah. Like I lost both of my grandmothers in the last like two years or so. And I had had a random dream about my um, one grandmother and she came to me in, in a dream. And I, it's weird because that just, and she's like, oh, something about Chloe. And I said, oh, it's not done yet. She's like, that's not done yet. She's like, don't worry about that. You're good. It'll be fine. She's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And I was like, okay. You know, so like, it's just, yeah. you do have that like protection feeling. Yeah. So. Jill, do you have anything that you want to add for Kel? I love you, Kelly. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Kel, yeah. thank you so much yeah, for sharing. This is, this is like yeah. a, a very difficult thing to talk about, but the fact that you're able with such grace and mm-hmm. confidence to even do this. I just this. think it's such a, I guess I do have something to say. I think it's such a taboo topic. So when we were talking about what podcasts people could benefit from or what topics to talk about that people may want to hear from, like I immediately thought Kelly has a story to tell and I really wanted you to do this. And I know it wasn't easy. And I think that it just takes so much courage and bravery to do it. But I think it's stuff that people don't talk about enough. And I know we did the postpartum one in May. And I, you know, I think that there's all these topics out there that people don't speak about um, nearly enough. And I just wanted like just to be able to get topics out that are needed. And so because your story is it's but like you said it's sad and the most beautiful thing Mm -hmm. when you talk about it because as sad it is to hear you in the beginning but then to end your story with so much beauty that you got Mm -hmm. this amazing incredible little girl out of such tragedy Mm -hmm. yeah we it's crazy it's totally uh, we yeah i i've never talked about this in public i don't even put a lot of stuff like on facebook or anything um because i just don't do that that's just me i don't know i'm just not that so yeah i've never really done this before so thanks for having me how do you feel (laughs) talking about it i don't know i feel okay Uh, you know it's there's a vulnerability that's like now it's out there you know um but i hope that if i even can help one person or or uh, you know anything you know i just hope that that it helped um you know and it's just it's i don't know and like what a great honor to her like that she can have this story like her mom can share this story and that another mom might be sitting might be somebody who is working here maybe somebody who is struggling in a different way or maybe somebody who just thinks their life is terrible and you know needed to get some perspective on how right. things are for other people well, even I mean, your own children in 20 years I know if I listened to my mom now is thir- at 30 years old talking about this I would be like also what? a good point. What if Carly listens a or Chloe listens? Yeah, you know, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I almost that hope this that could that, be. I a, hope yeah, that they do. Like I hope right. that um, they they do listen to this and 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 mm-hmm. you know we'll know how much that I, didn't think I about love that, them yeah. both and you know that they are their own people and mm-hmm. they're so important to us and like we try really hard to give them the best life mm-hmm. that we can and just you know to work hard. So yeah, yeah. So thank I you do want to ask one more question. Mm-hmm. How important is self care? in this journey while you have another child. So 
we tend to talk about just parenting in general, where a lot of mothers and fathers, we'll talk about mothers, tend to forget about themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm up all night. I'm doing this. I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving. How important is it to take a step back and be like, I got to take care of me right now. Like, I know I have a daughter to feed, which you're going to be taking care of, but. Self-care is really important. Really, really important. Um, but you you can't do all of the self-care either because you can't be like, mm, I'm having a bad day and I need a break and I'm going to the spa all day. You have an infant at home like mm-hmm. to take care of. Like that's not – so just like um, – What are some ways for self-care that you yeah, could recommend that um, work for you? Baths, a lot of hot baths, mm-hmm. um, walking, a lot of walking. Um you know, and I would take her with me and she was, she was a super easy baby. Thank God. But, um, Carly was, um, so, uh, you know, I would walk and I would walk miles and mm-hmm. I would just have her in her car seat or her stroller and her, she would just sleep. And so that helped me like get some exercise out and some energy. Um, that's a huge self-care. That was huge for me. And just like making sure you're sleeping enough and just uh, reaching out to people like, there was times where I'd call friends and I wouldn't even say like, Hey, I'm having a bad day. It would just be like, Hey, what's going on? You know, like just to talk about regular other yeah, things. You want to like, go, yes. You want to feel back to your normal right, self. Right. I want it like, like a couple weeks after she had passed, people were calling me, talking to me about work and they're like, Oh, we're so, I'm like, no, I want to hear about work stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause like I need to like be distracted. Like that was helpful for me. Like that was a big self. Well, you don't want to just be the grieving mother. I you want to yeah. be the person that right lost a child and is now yeah. surviving. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Best Self Podcast. The views and opinions expressed by the Best Self Podcast are those of the producers and guests and in no way reflect the official policy or position of Best Self Behavioral Health. Any content discussed by the co-hosts or guests are their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Thank you.